Now, some failures may feel like the end of the world, but at the end, you find yourself walking away with a vital lesson. Circle CI CTO Rob Zuber is on a mission to find stories of software industry leaders who survived some epic mishaps. Subscribe today to the Confident Commit podcast at circle.ci slash podcast dash SO. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined as I often am by my wonderful collaborators, Cassidy Williams and Ciara Ford. Hi, y'all. Hello. So I want to kick this episode off chit-chatting a little bit about what's been going on with you. Ciara, you got a new job pretty recently, and you just did your first kind of like live event. Can you tell us a little about it? Yeah, so me and some people on my team, we all went to Atlanta um, last week for Refactor Tech, which is a conference that, it's a tech conference that has, this year they had a bunch of different tracks. Um, it's a big one with, too. Yeah, it was a bunch of different tracks with talks having to do with software development, career development, ethics and technology, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see too many of the talks because I was actually running a table with my team um, at Off Zero, And that was a cool experience. It was a different experience. It was my first time. Like I've been doing DevRel this whole time during the pandemic. So everything pretty much has been virtual for me. So it was my first time getting to experience like the typical DevRel thing of like having the table and having to tell people about like your product and what you do and everything like that. So that was interesting mm-hmm. and having to like interact with a whole lot of different people um, was fun. It does take a lot of energy. Yes. <laughs> you get it's, really good at your 30 second pitch though. Yeah. And that's kind of what I just did. Um, but I, I don't want, like, I don't have trouble talking to people and having conversations and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just, it was just, different i was nervous at first because i was like i'm still new to the company i'm still new to the product like are they going to ask me like questions that i won't be able to answer and stuff like that but it really wasn't anything too complicated i mm-hmm. mean the most complicated questions i was getting is like what does off zero do and that was like right quick and easy answer so you got that nice one quick. wrapped up yeah nice. <laughs> yeah so it was pretty fun nice you see any talks you liked or uh, run into any folks you know yeah, so I got to meet uh, quite a few people that I've seen like through Twitter mm-hmm. and like never in person, mm-hmm. which was cool. The one talk that I made, I like made sure I had to see this one was by Angie Jones, and she was talking about Web Five. And you Whoa. guys know that, oh, I, yeah, yeah. She's just <laughs> jumping right ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that I've been extra, super, super, super skeptical, skeptical about anything having to do with web three. So I was like, let me listen to like, if anyone's going to cover this well, it's going to be Angie. And she didn't even, she kind of skipped right over web three and kind of took some of the good things about web three and the good things about like, I guess what you call web two and right. combine it together two to get web three is five. five. Yeah, exactly. So it was a really <laughs> interesting talk. I want to watch the recording because I feel like a lot of it kind of like went over my head because half the time I was like wow this is my first time seeing Angie Jones give a talk live and the other half was like what <laughs> like am I actually warming up to the idea of like something new is this really happening so yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so I want to watch the recording again but it was a really interesting topic nice we had Angie Jones on the show and she revealed that she does have a patent on a time machine so I guess if anybody knows what web five is going to look like she is probably the one that she just skipped right <laughs> she has ahead like 26 patents she yeah 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 she's a genius uh well that's yeah. very cool um and cassidy you also have 
some news to share with our listeners. We kind of maybe spoiled it a little bit, but we, we didn't get deep <laughs> into it. You got a new gig. Let's hear about that. I did. And so I have joined the team at Contenda. And so I'm going to give a little bit of background. This is okay. a company that I have been advising ever since they started. I actually kind of helped them start the company a couple of years ago. Um, and so I know the team really well. I've I've been having regular calls in them for with them for over a year and a half, just helping them as they figure out what this company is, helps them through pivots and stuff. And it's a cool tool that it's an AI tool that takes content, like for example, this podcast this here, podcast, yeah. or or a conference talk or or a blog post or whatever, and uses AI to repurpose it into something else. So if I give a conference talk, it could generate a blog post based on that conference talk, complete with code samples and everything. It could create tutorials. It could create tweet mm. threads. It could create highlight clips, all that jazz. Um, which So it's particularly relevant to my interests as someone who makes a lot of uh, internet content and stuff. And there was a point where in my previous role, I I liked the team. I, I, I have all good things to say about remote, but I was kind of missing that DevRel aspect of interacting with external developers that I wasn't really getting in that mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. And with Contenda, again, I've, I've known the team for so long and worked with them for so long. They were saying, hey, we're getting ready to prep for some new go-to-market things, some new fundraising things, lots of startupy things. And we need help on the engineering leadership side because of the it's just something that they haven't really had outside of advisors and stuff. Right. And so it, it kind of just became a natural fit where I considered it for a while and, and realized it was kind of obvious for me to go because I like the team so much, the culture so much, and the product so much. So that is where I'm at now. I am their new CTO. Nice. It has been a lot of drinking <gasps> from the fire hose. I know. Wow. I know. And so I've been on lots of investor calls and and lots of getting a lay of the land. I've got to make like tech purchasing decisions, which I haven't really done Mm. before. And in addition to a lot of just engineering management and setting up structure and stuff as, as the company grows. So it's very exciting. That is awesome. So you're going to learn a bunch of new skills. This is a big challenge for you and I'm excited. How many um, folks are on the engineering side? Like what kind of team are you helping to oversee here? The, so the entire company is seven people full-time and then there's contractors. And of all of those, I think only two are not engineers. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the CEO and the main like product designer and, and product manager person. Right. And so I'm overseeing all the engineering stuff. And we, this whole past week as I was onboarding was splitting of responsibilities. Like CEO is going to be taking over sales, handling all, all of the like design aspects of everything and, and investor calls and stuff with a few exceptions. And then my end will be managing the engineering team, figuring out, okay, how are we going to get structured as the company grows and and how are we going to refine our practices and everything? And, right. and so it's, it's, it's a lot, it's exciting. The company is small enough where there's a lot to do, but there's also a lot of cool things to work with, a, a lot of impact to make. Yeah. Wow. It's super exciting to see you in a leadership role like that. And as you said, the company is still kind of young. I know just starting out to sort of like get customers, you know, kind of coming out of like a private beta, right. you know, if, if in two or three years, this is a very successful company and, you know, continues on its own, get acquired or whatever, you know, that leaves you in an amazing position where then you are 
qualified in many ways for a CTO role at a larger company. So I think it's just super cool. And I hope you enjoy it. You know, we've, we'll see, you've never been a CTO before. So, you know, you might love it, you might not, but, um, a lot of, a lot of opportunities. So that's very cool. This is exciting. Thank you. It's, it's definitely going to be a learning experience overall, but luckily so far I'm able to fit what the company needs and then we'll see as it grows and changes how that'll work. And it's, Again, it's been a very intense week of learning, but in a good way. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's a very good kind of busy that I haven't had in a while. Yeah. Nice, nice. Is this the company that was based out of Philly? Yes. <gasps> I know. Oh. I'll get to visit you at some point. Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. Our uh, current chief product officer, Teresa Dietrich, started out as CTO and then realized mm. that, that we needed a, a CPO, took on that role, and then we ended up hiring a CTO. So I think, you know, right, you'll, you'll figure out the role right. and maybe other people will come morph in. Morph and, and change. You know, morph and change, right, exactly. Very cool. Mm. Yeah, right now it's it's going to be a lot of like both leadership work and individual contributor work just because of where the company size is at, yeah. where mm-hmm. in addition to running engineering team things, I'm also probably going to be working on the website, you know, the, those kinds right. of things until until we have everything more structured out. And so, yes, I can see you working on the website and doing great. I know you're a front-end stylist and genius. What about the AIML stuff? You're going to have to bone up on that? Are you going to delegate that? How do you learn about that stuff? So luckily, thank goodness, they have actual (laughs) professionals at the company working on it. (laughs) Uh, I have worked in AI before, and so Uh I know a lot of the terms. I Mm -hmm. There was once upon a time before I dropped out of my master's program, I took some (laughs) AI classes. Right. uh, in graduate school. And so I, I do know high level how a lot of MLAI stuff works. Um, and luckily the tools make it so much easier now. And so there, there's definitely some brushing up I'm going to have to do, but luckily I'm not starting from complete zero on that front. Nice. Good. Good. I find AI and ML really intimidating. So (laughs) kudos to you for taking it on. It's yeah. interesting. It is. But I feel like I I feel like it's also should I say this? I don't want to intimidate anybody listening, but I feel like You're it's fine. easy You're to fine. get wrong. So that's why I'm like, ah. Mm. Well, it's interesting because it's not deterministic. Like you could give yeah. an AI tool some kind of prompt and it'll generate something different every time. It's not just like a one seed will always generate this kind of answer, which is very weirdly human almost. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and so that that's what's kind of that's what's kind of interesting about it uh, and especially with making this kind of content yeah because it has to be technically accurate there's a lot of really interesting problems to solve on like how do we judge the accuracy of a code sample that's output by an ai if it is potentially different every time it comes out and mm. so that that's been some of the problems they're they're solving already and and it's interesting to see how the approaches have been right cool yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, maybe maybe uh, in the future, Contender will be cutting up some highlights for us. So yeah. that could be very fun. Uh, and in terms of what's going on over at Stack Overflow, uh, I just got back from New York City where we had our inaugural customer conference. So first of its kind for Stack Overflow, which is exciting. And also, as we're uh, just talking about with you, Siora, first time going to a big event in a while, which was exciting. So yeah, it, it was something we weren't certain we were going to be able to pull off. You know, we had to come together and work across a bunch of departments. Uh, but in the end, it was a big success. We had some great speakers. Clive Thompson 
uh, author of the book Coders, Dr. Gloria Mark, who's a specialist in human-computer interaction, and then VPs of engineering from Udemy and Salesforce, uh, folks from Etsy and Indeed. So it was a very cool experience for me to be back in person. Uh, I met startup people with a lot of energy, uh, folks who had arrived in New York City from Ukraine and were building new lives for themselves in the tech world. So uh, it was really energizing for all of us. Lots of great stackers, customers, and community. Um, and yeah, I think to your point, you know, kind of testing the waters to figure out what people want in terms of in-person versus remote. You know, a few thousand people attended remotely, which was cool. Uh, but we also had a few hundred people attend in-person, which we were not, CR, to your point, necessarily expecting. I think a lot of people would rather do in-person more yeah. than you probably think. Because I think right now at this point in the past, like two and a half years in the pandemic, whatever, I think a lot of people are just point blank period burnt out from virtual mm -hmm. events. Definitely. Like I'm I'm in Philadelphia, so I'm like a two hour drive away from New York City. And I would rather go to the Stack Overflow event in person than see it virtually because I'm just yeah. so like I'm a little bit over the virtual events personally. Yeah. And I think yeah, a yeah. lot of people feel similarly. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that you'll probably see a better turnout than you anticipated. But I don't know. That makes it's, me it's, feel positive. Yeah. I think a lot of the, like the talks are valuable at conferences. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I give them for a reason. I enjoy learning from them. But I think the real value of in-person conferences is the quote unquote hallway track where you right. just get to know people in between talks and stuff. Where Sarah, you mentioned running a table. There's some people who I met who were running a table at conferences two years ago, five years ago that I still stay in touch with because we had such good interactions yeah. in between seeing different talks. And I think that's where the real value lies in those in-person events. Otherwise, if you just wanted the technical content, yeah, I would I would go online. Yeah. 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 yeah that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And I guess, you know, thinking about, right, like what do we offer? That was another reason why we have the 360 photo booth and the mm. still to be revealed secret swag that I made, which you can, you know, you can take <laughs> it home with you. It's phys it's a physical thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's another reason why you might want to show up in person. I had the a big meeting with a bunch of students, like three, four hundred students at a major league hacking event, and they were definitely Sierra, to your point, they were like, We are like remote hackathons, not cool. Mm. IRL hackathons, we want to be back in person doing the Red Bull, eating the pizza, you know, grinding all night. So <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> they were hopeful that this year will be the year like on-campus life um, kind of really resumes in full. I kind of yeah. miss in-person hackathons. Like they were, they were exhausting, don't get me right. wrong, because you do stay up way too late and it's probably not healthy. But yeah. the, the <laughs> environment and the energy of like trying to hack something together with, with people around you as everybody's like, we've got to just make the demo work. It, it's a very fun environment that you just don't get when it's offline. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you both mentioned hackathons because one of the communities I'm supposed to be focusing on in my new fancy role are students. Mm. And that means that very likely I will have to go to hackathons to like, I don't know. I know that I've never been to a hackathon before, but in my oh, head, man. I imagine that the way they work is that sometimes you'll have people who are like semi-professional and like can be like mentors to like guide people through the process. So I guess that's what I'm going to be doing. So anticipate maybe we can have a future episode dedicated to talking about my first like hackathon experience because I'm supposed to be doing it in the coming months. So I think I there's one that's happening that. in San Francisco. 
Oh my gosh. I'm like so nervous. <laughs> I'm, I'm so nervous about it. And I'm not even going to lie. Like <laughs> they're so fun. And like, granted they, they probably have changed over time, but yeah, I feel like I was graduating college in like the big heyday of hackathons yeah. where pen apps, for example, in, in Philadelphia was yeah. a huge hackathon of like 3000 people. Wow. And, and it was just tons of people hacking throughout the night. And that's, that is how I got an interview for my first job out of college that's where I met my now husband. Like I, 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 right. I think I went to over a hundred. A life changing event. Wow. Yeah. Point. Yeah. Cool. I know because they, they were, they're such a good way to bond with people who are again, hacking together. And, and kind of like what you said, there's definitely noobs. I think my first hackathon, all I did was install things the entire time. <laughs> but then over time, you kind of get used to the environment and you can right. just rapidly learn so much. I, I love it as a fun medium to learn and build. Right. Then you come in as a pro and you help all the noobs. All right. Uh, you've installed yeah. this. You don't need that. Let's get cracking. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we'll see how that evolves with my new like fancy job and... Heck yeah. All of that stuff. All right. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. I like it. <laughs> Great episode update on all of our hosts. Appreciate it. One thing I wanted to share that I thought was kind of cool. It's called Plasma. Hello, Plasma Big Screen, a privacy respecting open source and secure TV ecosystem. This is neat because every TV you buy these days is a smart TV. Right. And they often ask you at the beginning, do you want us to track everything you watch so we can make better suggestions? Do you want AI assisted this and that? You know. Um, and they're often owned by very large corporations and the data will go somewhere else you never really intended. So cool to see uh, an open source version of this where you can surf the web, you can install apps, you can do YouTube, you can do Netflix, but it's built on top of some very well-established um, open source frameworks. So I thought that was neat. Ooh. I'm genuinely excited about that because it's it's very frustrating where if I want to update Netflix on my TV, I have to mm -hmm. sign into my TV and, and right. all this. And you don't really have a say in what your data looks like when it comes from a TV. You can't do like a you block origin or totally. any sort of ad blocker thing because it's your TV. Totally. Um, and so the fact that this exists is very exciting. You make a good point, which is that the TV is now functioning in a lot of ways like a computer. Hey, I'm doing Netflix and those things, but it doesn't have it does not it doesn't have that same level of usability if you're the kind of person mm -hmm. who wants to fine tune privacy and stuff. And like right, right. you mentioned I'm installing something new and then I'm like signing some terms of service you know like scrolling through <laughs> with the remote it's like I'm yeah. not, who's reading this yeah, just yeah. my TV. <laughs> <laughs> and then this one i just have to say you know it, it shouldn't be so hard the length of earth days has mysteriously been increasing and scientists don't know why i don't really feel like days need to get longer days are the right <laughs> amount of time you know <sighs> it's, just i like, feel like why? if days get longer companies and corporations will figure out a way to make us work longer hours. That extra mm -hmm. second. And yeah. for that reason, I don't like this. If it Absolutely. keeps progressing to the point where we get like an extra hour, yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go independent. That's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do. independent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel Bridge like the, the more the more I learn about just science and nature things in general, because <laughs> it's interesting. I do it on the side. The more I realize how much we don't know as humans. And yeah. it's it's shocking to me how much we don't know mm. in general about mm. anything. Right. We yeah. don't know how eels reproduce. Don't know. Just babies show up one day. We don't know. You think somebody could follow them and figure it out, but no, it is a they, mystery for the ages. It's an actual mystery. That's shocking to me. We didn't know until like the past 10 years how whales slept. Mm. 
<laughs> like the, the earth is a mystery and that's very scary, but also so interesting. Right. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way about like computer science and software development. Like there's still so much of it that we haven't like unlocked the potential of. Right. That makes me that like, it's cool, but also a little overwhelming at the same time. But it's cool <laughs> to think about like, we talk a lot about like web five and quantum computing and bleh. right. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, cool. <laughs> it's fun to anticipate what it's going to look like in the next like 10 years. Like, right. Mm. Like someday we will be laughing at an episode like this. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Why are we doing this episode when our holograms could have been doing it for us? It's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, it is that time of the show. I want to shout out uh, somebody who came on and contributed to the community. This week, the question was, how can I work up a feasible implementation of a prime counting function, which goes ahead and tells you like, from for this for certain number you know how many primes are there above or below it so we want to shout out user 448810 awarded two days ago appreciate you coming on and answering this question getting us a great lifeboat and helping over six thousand people with a little bit of knowledge all right everybody i am ben popper director of content here at stack overflow you can always find me on twitter at ben popper email us podcast at stack overflow or leave us a rating and a review if you like the show. Um, yeah. And just to remind folks, the Flow State Conference happened yesterday. It was really great. I uh, hope you caught it in person or the live stream. And if you didn't, uh, we should have some material up about it uh, in a week or two where you'll be able to go see all the talks uh, that we gave, um, both our executives and um, all the great guest speakers. So when that comes out in the future, we'll be sure to put it in the show notes. I'm Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate. At Auth0, you can find me on Twitter. My username there is Ciorio, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. And I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm CTO at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. Awesome. All right, everybody. We thank you for listening, and we hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.